I'm Ashley. And I'm Alicia. And we are Murd Nerds. Hello, Murd Nerds. Thanks for tuning in again this week with us. You're welcome. My name is Ashley, and I am joined, as always, by my best friend, Alicia. Hi. Hi. Um, we're here to tell you guys about strange happenings in true crime or otherwise. Jeremy is here as well. Uh, say hello, Jeremy. Hello. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I really enjoyed Alicia's episode last week about, like, I dug the animal theme. I think that Thanks. was really cool. That was very um, creative, like, off the rails. Oh, thanks. I dug it. Try to do something different, you know? Right. I look forward to more of those from you. Because you did. You promised that you would drop more of those. Yeah. Whether you guys like them or not. This is our fucking show. We do what we want. <laughs> um, so it's, it's kind of hard for us to chat, I think, in this episode. It's loud now, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> because we've been sitting in here together for a really long time tonight. Hours. And there's just really not a lot for us to talk about anymore. So I don't know if you guys have anything you want to touch on before I start. Anything we haven't really talked about in the past fucking six or however fucking many we've recorded today. Are you guys ready for Halloween? Yeah. Uh, th- when will this drop? This will be right around. The weekend before. The weekend before. Or- it, not the weekend of the of Halloween celebrations is the weekend before, like the twenty first. Oh yeah, I'll be um, I'll be uh, going Kansas? to my daughter's wedding this coming weekend. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, shout out That's to Montana. Exciting. She's getting married. So then, by the time next week's yours yes. drops, Alicia, she'll be married. Yes. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. And all three of your kids will be married. Yep. I'll have them all married off. <clears throat> we'll have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> not that I worry about it now. They're all, you know, they don't live with me anymore. It's not like I'm getting married off and I get a free room in the back of my house. <laughs> right, or like like get a goat or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about getting a goat. <laughs> it could be fun. Yeah, but the goat could be deadly. Could be, be careful now. Could yeah, be now that we know. Murder. <laughs> I don't want any of my Devil family goat. or friends in any of the content that... I create. Don't get a devil goat. The devil goat. Um, did I tell you that my mom and my sister and I are planning a trip to Salem next year? You did tell me about that because I told you about Margaret Scott, who was my like great 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 right, great grandmother. Right, right, right. So I'll take pictures of like her grave or something. If yeah, I can she see was it hung there. at Salem. That's really, for being a witch. Crazy. Nice. And there's also a statue of one of my like cousins or something. I don't know where she is on my family tree, but she is because my family's done really due diligence um samantha from bewitched is my relative and there's a statue at salem of her really like the actual actress or like yeah wow that's kind of cool she's riding a broom it's a really cool statue i'll take some pictures for you yeah my family's all in salem i guess yeah, the, which uh, makes a lot of sense i think the main satanic Mm -hmm. temples there too i'm excited to see that interesting if you if if Ashley gets out there and takes a picture and the statue looks like you. I'll tell you. There's pictures of the statue. I figured, you, I figured you probably seen. Oh, yeah, I no. didn't get it. Oh, the there's a bug him. flying around. Here. I it's thought a I got really annoying bug. Gosh. Yeah. So that's kind of some stuff that uh, we're all looking forward to here. 
It's true. We got a lot of stuff coming up. So the other, just see when this episode drops, I'll be the weekend of Montana's wedding, mm-hmm. and then the weekend after, um, Team Tejas is doing their live at the Poor Brothers Brewery. Heck yeah! So if you're in Texas, go check that out in Beaumont. Yeah, we can't be there, unfortunately. We're well, you could still go. I am not. I go. Not. I'll go with you. I can't afford it. I can't either. <laughs> plane tickets are like insanely priced. Yes, they are. Let's drive. What are we going to drive? The Tahoe? The Tahoe would be more expensive to put gas in it to drive For down to Texas. For sure, it would be pricey. It would be very pricey. You'd be better getting a plane ticket. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the last time we took that, uh, it was a Ford Flex. Yeah. And it oh, was just yeah. as expensive to drive that. It would have been your Tahoe. Yeah. It was only getting like are. 18 miles to the gallon. Mm-hmm. Yikes. She doesn't like, do bad on highway. I don't do bad. I don't keep track of like the actual numbers though. I just buck and put gas in. I know, right? And drive. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, okay. Well, the case that I chose to cover this week for I. For our 43rd episode might be shorter than my usual episodes. Like, thank God, right? That's what I was just thinking in my brain. Was what I wrote for my (laughs) intro before I started researching. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, wow. That's cool. Sorry, Alicia just pulled up the picture. Yeah, that looks just like her. Not you. It's kind of fucking creepy because it's like bronze. Yeah, their eyes the and bronze statues weird. always look weird. Yeah. But yeah, that's oh, cool. Oh, wow, they did an amazing job. Yeah, yeah I'd love to get it's a picture It's big. Of that. Like, it's a pretty big statue. It's like, it's, it's like human bigger sized. Than, oh, it is human sized. That's yeah. what I was going to ask. Very cool. And then Elizabeth Montgomery. That's my nice. relative. So, yeah, that is what I had originally wrote before I started researching. Um, this is quite possibly going to be just as long, if not longer than usual. Um, but not Ashley covering the I-70 Strangler for her first case long. <laughs> it's not going to be that long. Um, this case is unique because it gained national attention for a very unique reason and has been looked at by some of the best, all of the best analysts in the country. Um, two pieces of paper that were found on the victim's body, um, actually in his pockets, have perplexed all those who tried to decipher the notes written on them. Today, we are going to talk about the murder of Ricky McCormick and the McCormick Cipher. Ever heard of it? No. Ever heard of it? No, no, I have not. It's pretty fucking cool. It was kind of cool to research. Um, I mean, sad, obviously. Senseless death, but... My sources this week are an article by Jennifer Baldwin on Medium.com, the FBI.gov website, an article by Jean Messerve and... Carol Craddy for CNN. Um, There is a YouTube channel called The Chapter that covered this. Um, It was a short video. There's an article by Christopher Trito for the Riverfront Times. That was a really in-depth article. I really enjoyed reading that one. Um, True Crime Files blog by Christine. She doesn't give her last name, so she, she runs the whole site. And then the McCormick Cipher on decode.fr. So that's kind of a, a place that like posts about ciphers and like shows the patterns and kind of what we know about it and, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Ricky McCormick was a 41-year-old man living in St. Louis, Missouri. According to his family, Ricky struggled as a child. They always knew that he had some sort of disability or mental illness. Um, his cousin suggested schizophrenia or maybe bipolar disorder. Um 
noting that he would often talk like, quote, he was in another world. Hmm. Yeah. His aunt stated um, that she called him vampire because he would sleep all day and then, quote, at night he rises, <laughs> which I thought was a really cool quote. <laughs> it's like, what a badass way to say it. Um, though he did visit a psychologist as a child, he never got like tested for anything formally. Mm-hmm. Um, so the hard times rolled over into adulthood after he dropped out of high school. Um, at the time he dropped out, Ricky could barely read or write. Ooh. Yeah. He would often ride the bus away from his neighborhood to get away from like the drug dealers and the troublemakers in the streets. Um, but he did have some run-ins with the law, including um, some statutory rape charges in 1992. Two of his four children were mothered by the same underage girl who was never named because she was underage at the time. Oh, no. Yes. He was a frequent flyer at the hospital for chronic heart and lung issues. He worked various minimum wage jobs and received disability. From all that I've read about Ricky, he seemed it seemed like he was really naive and kind of out of it. He really didn't have a grasp on the real world yeah. and like a con- like the concept of the real world. If that makes sense. Yeah, like issues, cognitive issues. Right. Like I just don't think that he thought about things with that world umbrella over his head. It was just like whatever was kind of going on. Yeah. He just kind of was reactive, I guess. Um, at the time of his murder, he was employed by Baha Hamdala, um, working part-time at his Amoco gas station. So that was the owner. Um, but that's not the only work that Baha gave Ricky. I think he saw Ricky as a vulnerable person and took advantage of him, turning him into his drug runner. Psh, Ricky oh no. would, yeah. <laughs> Ricky would make frequent trips to Orlando, Florida to pick up large amounts of weed and bring it back to St. Louis for Baja. So there are a couple different accounts of who found Ricky's body. Some say it was a woman driving down the road. Others say it was a mowing crew that was working in the area. But in any case, on June 30th, 1999, Ricky's body was found face down in a cornfield in St. Charles County. This was a rural area about 20 miles outside of the city, being Mm -hmm. St. Louis. Although his body had advanced decomposition, fingerprints were able to be lifted and he was quickly identified. When speaking with friends and family and co-workers, police soon realized that Ricky had been at the hospital, had been seen at the hospital on June 22nd. So he was found... When I say June 30th, okay, so he was seen on June 22nd at the hospital. It was reported that he asked for a, quote, checkup, but due to his chronic issues, the hospital did keep him and observe him for a few days and released him on June 24th. Mm. He then bussed to his aunt's house, his aunt Gloria's house, um, to visit with her for a while, and then he left on foot. In the evening of the 25th, he went back to the emergency room complaining of breathing troubles. I think he said that he was like mowing lawns or something and maybe the grass got to him. The doctors diagnosed him with an asthma flare-up and he was released by 5.30 that evening. His Aunt Gloria believes that he might have stayed in the hospital waiting room for the night. Um, His girlfriend Sandra spoke to him on the phone around 11.30 a.m. on the 26th where he informed her... He was out of the hospital and he was going to go to the Amoco gas station, the one that he was employed at, and get some food. He then did go to the Amoco gas station he worked at and was seen by a fellow employee. That employee was the last known person to see Ricky alive. 
This was just three days prior to the discovery of his body. Ricky's aunt and girl, excuse me, Ricky's aunt and girlfriend also reported that when Ricky returned from his last trip to Florida to run drugs for his boss, which took place in mid-June, um, that when he returned from that trip, he seemed really scared and shaken up and just like not himself. So everybody's like, okay, like, how did this guy get out here? He obviously didn't drive or have a car. Um, And city transportation is not going to take you all the way out to the sticks where he was found. Plus, the time frame was kind of weird to police uh, due to the level of composition on his body after just three days. It was June, um, but it was not abnormally hot or anything like that the particular week that he was found. Um, This led police to believe that Ricky was not killed where he was found. He was likely killed on the 25th um, when when he had went missing. And then his body, which he didn't he wasn't reported missing or anything because he kind of just roved around. Um, But they do believe that he was killed on the 25th. And then his body may have been hidden in a truck or just somewhere without temperature control due to the extreme deep composition. Um The medical examiner, because of the state of the body, only had 72 pounds of flesh and bones to examine. Yeah. Um, Ultimately, his cause of death was ruled undetermined. They couldn't find any signs of, like, you know, like gunshots or stab marks or, you know, strangulation or anything. Yeah. Even with the conclusion from the medical examiner... Police were leaning more towards murder or at least some sort of foul play. They just could not ignore the condition of the body compared to the three-day time frame and the fact that there was just no way for Ricky to get out there by his own means. Mm -hmm. When Ricky was found, he had on a stained white t-shirt and a pair of blue jeans. When, and it didn't say anything about his shoes. I don't think he was barefoot, but it just wasn't, his shoes just weren't mentioned. Um... When police were finally able to search the pocket of his pants, they found two pieces of paper with 30 unintelligible strings of letters, numbers, and parentheses. This would be the only physical evidence for this case. Not one of Ricky's, um, or sorry, no one in Ricky's life claimed to understand the writings, so the police began to follow what little um, leads that they had while also trying to make sense and decipher these notes. So, obviously, their leads dried up soon, and their only hope were just these two little pieces of paper. Local law enforcement worked on cracking this code for about two years. Then they handed it over to the FBI. Surely, their crypto... Okay, sorry. Cryptanalysis and Racketeering Records Unit. It's a mouthful. Thank you. Uh, Surely, they'll be able to make sense of it. I mean, all the computer stuffs... And algorithms and shit like they're out here cracking ciphers written by like drug trafficking rings, drug lords, you know, whatever. Just all these masterminds of criminal or crime. Crime. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Anyway, so like surely they'll be able to figure it out. And they do. They crack these sometimes in a matter of hours. Did you get him? I think you did. Nice. She got the bug. So I'm a killer. (laughs) Bella. This is gonna be killed. Oh, soak. <laughs> soak. murder. Um, the FBI poured over it for ten years. All of their analysts, statisticians, st- statisticians, <laughs> St- statisticians, statisticians, 
Here, just look at it. You look at it. Statisticians. Statisticians. Yep. I don't think that's right. And mathematicians. I think you're right. I think it is statisticians. You're right. And mathematicians could not figure it out. Sorry, I couldn't say that word. It's a lot of big words in this. <laughs> she couldn't figure story. it out either. Seriously, I couldn't even figure out that cipher. Um, <laughs> so, in March of 2011, the FBI released the contents of two letters or of the two letters to the public. Um, by the second week of April, there were over 2,300 tips sent in. My God. Yeah. The head of the cryptanalysis unit, Dan Olson, told CNN, quote, we're, we are beat, end quote. So, Same. Right. <laughs> so they were looking for anyone who maybe had seen a similar code or, heck, solve it. Stranger things have happened, right? Um, so... At this point, I hope you guys are thinking what I thought, which was, isn't there a decent possibility these letters and numbers mean absolutely nothing? Yes. They only meant something to Ricky. Right. Nope. You don't, nope. Think, so? you don't think so? I don't believe so. That's cool. Okay. I believe they mean, <laughs> I believe they mean something. Cool. <laughs> well, they do you have a copy of these? Yes. I do. I've got pictures. Okay. I, I should show you. I could probably pull them up for you guys really I, quick. I just like. I looked up his picture because it, the story started sounding familiar and his the picture that they always use for him is haunting. And the, no, that is the only picture that I can find of him. There are no other pictures online of this kid. It is it it's probably just a, a mugshot from times previous. It looks a like mug a mugshot or like a passport, right. like a, it, ID something. Yeah, it's, it, and it's the one photo and there's no other pictures of this guy. It's like he That's just like weird. didn't exist. Yeah, it's super weird. Let me pull up these notes for Jeremy real quick. Weird. It's just, uh, I don't know. Considering he doesn't know how to read or write. Doesn't matter. Right. I mean, some of He's, your best he, autistic people don't know how to read or write. They, but they have their yeah the their own the symbols. Yeah, yeah, their own their own language kind of thing. Yeah. Which is what I'm saying. I don't think this is anything except for notes for himself. Not so, like somebody snuck these in his pocket as he was a drug mule. This is that decode website, which is kind of cool the way that they work. So they've got it. They transcribed it to above it. And then you can scroll down. So they've got both pictures with the transcription written above. All right. I'm going to solve this real quick. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you need to go work for the FBI if you figure it out. Give it to Azure. Seriously. No, oh, you continue. Should I keep going? Yeah, okay. yeah. Don't, well, I don't know if you want to like, take a pause no, so we can no, chat no. about it. Okay. Um, so, like we were saying, maybe it doesn't mean anything, but it is Olsen's professional opinion that they're definitely something of meaning and intentionally written in code. There are too many pattern repetitions and letter sequence repetitions. He also says that McCormick's code is unlike anything that he has ever seen in his work. He used the words unique and idiosyncratic. <laughs> God damn it. Mm-hmm. I said that word so many times out loud before I came here. Idiosyncrasies. Idiosyncratic. Oh, there you go. Yes, but you were right. That's another, you know, Version. form of the word. Yeah. Um, which basically means it's very personal to Ricky. Olson stated, quote, it doesn't happen often that we have an unsolved cipher of this length and significance. The characters are not random. There are many E's, for example, that could be used as a spacer. There are many characteristics that suggest it could be solved. Um, there are many patterns. 
The problem is we don't know why it's not solvable. End quote. It's like they just don't fucking know. And they said, they basically said, like, even if it's like a grocery list or a love letter, it they still want to solve it. It's more about understanding how it's solved. Mm-hmm. Like, they need to know. It's like, become more than just right, solving his death. Right, freaking math nerds, right? Like, they just need to know, like, what the key is to this code. Though the family seems to claim no knowledge of this, the CNN article that I did read also states that McCormick dabbled in ciphers since he was a child. Which is bizarre because he right. doesn't know how to read or write. Exactly. And that's probably why he did. Because it made more sense And I don't, I don't know where they got that information. Like maybe it was from a childhood friend, maybe. you know? Yeah. But honestly, being uneducated might be the reason his code is so unique to him and so hard for educated people to crack. Mm-hmm. His mind doesn't have that formal structure. It, yeah. And so they're looking at it in squares when he's got, you know, like circles or, you know yeah, what I mean? For sure. Um, Olsen hoped that someone out there could maybe connect this code with like a game or a hobby or a job or a book or just something, you know, that would just give them an edge. Mm-hmm. So as of 2011, Ricky Cipher was number three on the FBI's list of top 10 uncracked coded communications. There's a fucking list? Yes, which is kept on a board in the FBI office, topped only by one unbroken zodiac killer cipher of course yeah and a secret threat to an unnamed public agency the zodiac killer yeah they've got one cipher they never cracked that they can't crack for the zodiac killer and that's above it yeah no this is the third this is the third time we've talked about the zodiac killer today today i know i saw oh did i show you that yeah Yeah. my two-year-old uh while i was at work and my husband was at home doing who knows what um my two-year-old went in the bathroom and uh wrote the zodiac symbol like to a t it's yeah it's perfect wrote it on the mirror and uh i got home went to the bathroom went oh shit (laughs) (laughs) like he has returned so i don't know what's scarier the zodiac killer or my two-year-old she's pretty scary she is the zodiac killer (laughs) right um so this has got to be really frustrating um i also read that the FBI having just one more sample of this code could be really helpful. I would have hoped that they tore apart the house looking for anything written in a similar way. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ricky's family didn't know about these that the cops even had these notes until the FBI released the contents of them in 2011. Really? Wait, right. where did he live? Um, St. Louis, Missouri. With who? His mom? Or yeah, something? I think he stayed with his mother, yes. And so, how old was he? He was 41 when he died, yeah. So his family did say that he had often, they had often seen similar writings to these coded notes, but they just assumed that he was basically drawing random letters or, um, you know, just, it's just unintelligible. They really just didn't think anything of it. They seemed very skeptical that Ricky could come up with this uncrackable code uh, when he could barely write his name. So at this point, I want to take a break and I want to talk about the family that um, Ricky was working under at this gas station. I feel like this part of the story really gets buried under these ciphers and like this huge mystery, like Ricky's like some courier or it's like Mm -hmm. a drug lord or like actually like pretending, you know what I mean? Like living this fake life or whatever. And just talk about the real facts of of um, 
the story behind who he was running drugs for. Yeah. So Baha Hamdala was hired by his brother Juma. See, Juma took over the gas station after the previous owner had stabbed and killed his neighbor in 1994. What? Yeah. Juma and Baha seemed to have a pretty rocky relationship. Less than two months after Ricky's death, police were called to their neighborhood because Juma had shot Baha. Baha Uh, did survive um, and did not file any charges. But during this investigation, the police found ties to gang members in St. Louis. Good gravy. Yes. They also mentioned that Baha was very volatile and possessed many weapons, including knives and guns. Many police reports and statements spanning very like a lot of years show consistently similar violent scenarios wherever he went. Um, in 1997, Baja shot a man named Clarence or Terrence Clark from his car window. What the? Fuck? Terrence escaped. He shot at him. So Terrence escaped uninjured. Baja was arrested but was never prosecuted. He's just dodging bullets left and right. Literally. <laughs> Or he's shooting the bullets, but still. Um, Less than a year later, in March of 1998, Baha was visiting another one of his brothers. I'm going to say Bajit. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. From what I remember, I didn't write this down, but I think they were Palestinian immigrants. So Mm -hmm. the names are a little harder for me to pronounce. So his other brother, Bajit. Bajit? Bajit. Um, So he was visiting him at the market where he worked. They had gotten into an argument and Baha had shot Bajet from across the street and hit him in the left abdomen. These this is his zero fucking fucks. brother. Dude, this is his brother. Um, then he jumped in his car and he peeled away. His brother. When talking to the police, Bajet, out of fear or loyalty or for whatever reason, told police that he didn't. He had never seen that shooter before <laughs> in his life. He didn't recognize him. Uh. He also gave them a false description. I think he said that he was like, a Hispanic guy with like a goatee or something. Oh my God. Yeah. Police, they know that this was a false description because five days later, Baja actually turned himself in <laughs> to the police for the shooting. Not but like Bajit did not wish to prosecute. So the charges were seemingly dropped as there is no record of this case. Wow. Ever. Just like, family quarrels. You seriously. Know? Just- Wow. <laughs> yeah. Less than a month later, Baja was arrested for beating a name a man named Elro Carr with a rusty hammer. <laughs> then in August of nineteen ninety eight, just two weeks before Baja's trial, Carr was shot to death just a few blocks from that Amoco gas station. Ironic. Ironic. His murder still is unsolved, but informants tell police that Carr was killed, quote, at the behest of Baja Hamdala. And do you quote. think Ricky did it? Well, um, he does I, a young boy. I yeah, I, I don't. He had a heart of stone. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he was involved in that. I'm just trying to show all the violence that was behind this family that Ricky was just so naively involved with. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, so yeah, just a ton of extreme violence with this guy, and it just it gets so overlooked in the media. Everybody's so focused on this weird code and. That, that Like I was saying earlier, that article, the Riverfront Times, really went into depth with the Hamdala brothers. And I really appreciated that they did that because they were the only source that I found that really took that and and really showed the true colors and kind of where this case really probably should have gone instead of going in like this weird mystery. Let's solve this cipher, 
you know, yeah. instead of taking the murder and 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 turn like it's like a, it's been bastardized from let's solve Ricky's murder to let's just find out let's figure out what this shit means because yeah. that'll give us the answer where it's like I feel like the answer's there in that family in that gas station in the in his trips to Florida running drugs and yeah. you know yeah. Which I didn't go into too much depth with that. They did talk a lot about his Florida trips and how he would bring the drugs back, sometimes keep them at his apartment. Um, I oh, think, no. yeah, yeah. That's and that unfortunate. Is, I think his girlfriend was a little bit involved as well. His girlfriend at the time, her name was Sandra. Um, but again, I really don't think that she really had much knowledge of what was going on. I think she was just kind of there. Yeah. You know? So. I'm going to go back over to the notes now because that is like the main big huge thing of, of this case. Um, I think it is the general consensus that these notes were written by Ricky. There is another theory that gets thrown around that they were written by the person who took Ricky's life. Um, but there there just isn't much to indicate that. So if we're going to go with the Ricky being the author and creator of the code, we come to the next question being... What was the purpose of writing in such a way? One theory is that he was working as a courier delivering these coded messages between criminals. Mm -hmm. There's another theory that since he was suffering from a possible mental illness and learning disabilities and could barely read or write, he didn't know what he was writing. So it was just unintelligible. He's just basically scribbling and none of it made any sense to him or anybody else. Yeah. The most accepted theory is the one that Alicia brought up is that he developed his own form of shorthand that he could more easily understand and read and write. So that's that's kind of what I think, too. I think maybe there might be some instructions, there might be some addresses, there might be some names in this cipher, and it very well might give them some clues, but I do think that it is just Ricky's shorthand. I think that he just came up with this so he, when someone's he talking to him, about. he writes it down in a way that he can reread it and understand himself. Interesting. Yeah. But they do say that it's enough repeated characters that there is a pattern that it should be at some point be able to be translated. Mm -hmm. So um, as of 2021, we are no closer to cracking the code or solving Ricky's murder. Uh, no closer than they were in 2011. So if you have any information connected to Ricky's murder, please contact the St. Charles County Police Department at 636-949-3200. Um, and if you think you can crack the cipher or think you may have any insights or suggestions, please contact the CRRU, which is the uh, Cryptanalysis and Racketeering whatever unit, the FBI unit that does that. Um, we'll link the FBI page um, dedicated to solving this code in the show notes. Um, and the page has all the contact info along with the photos, notes, uh, tips on how to begin cracking a cipher and things of that nature. Wow. Wild. Right. That ended up being kind of short, didn't it? Yes. It's probably the shortest one in a while. We're not done yet. No, we're done. Oh, oh, shit. We're, oh, God. Jeremy solved the case. Jeremy's going Ricky over here, and he's got some shit going on. So you gave me this. You gave me this <clears throat> cipher. Yeah. Do you like that website? It's kind of nice, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It's got. I mean, I just typed in what you uh, what you put here. I have one question for you on mm -hmm. the first note. Will you look at the first note on your? Uh, on did you your leave phone? it pulled up on my phone? I did. I did okay. not shut it off. 
Okay, yes. Uh, the you f- notice there it says page one? Yeah, I did notice that, but the second one doesn't say page two. No, it just says notes. Yeah. But, I mean, that is something that jumped out at me right away. It was like, he wrote page one. Yeah, or at least P1, which P1. might not even mean that. Well, that might be that, place one. It might be person one. That could be. You know? So, looking this over, I, I have no idea what it says, but I wonder if because you said it in your thing there too mm-hmm. this is like this is kind of his shorthand i'm i wonder if um when he was writing this like you said he was he was um he couldn't read or write so when he's Not writing well yeah when he's writing this is he writing is there a, is there a way to to get those words to separate so that it looks like it might be a word so like the you know maybe uh, therefore is T F R. And that's how he thought that that's how that was spelled. Right. That's how he can read it yeah, and understand yeah. it. Yeah. And like they said, the E's could be spaces because well, there's no spacing between anything either. So it's just like one big run on sentence. And this, once again, you know, if you're looking at his actual page compared to what they said, the decipher was, mm-hmm. you know, they say this is a P. What if that's not a P? What if it's an I? I was what thinking that too, like uh, the parentheses. What if those are like C's and J's? Yeah. But I think the placement and they have people who study handwriting and can spot similarities. Right. And they can differentiate those. So if there's other C's and J's on the page, they can definitely say this is not a C or this is not a J. Right. But yeah, they do mention that. They mention that there could be some um, differentiation between what they analyze the letter to be and what the letter actually is intended to be by Ricky. And they do talk about that a little bit. D- yeah, uh, refresh. Uh, they found him out in the middle of nowhere, right? They found yeah, him. in the middle of a cornfield. Did they check, uh, by chance, did they check uh, l- uh, latitude and li- longitude on, on compared to? I'm guessing to? they probably did. Because um, there's a lot of numbers in that second note. Right. The FBI doesn't really go into too much detail about what they've uncovered. They just talk about certain patterns that they paid close attention to and maybe that might people might want to start with. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure they looked up all kinds of stuff. And this is probably another reason why his family wasn't privy to the cops having these. They probably wanted to make sure the family wasn't involved either because they could be some crazy family that, is just right. hiding in St. Louis and running human trafficking, you know, who right. knows? So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they looked into all kinds of numbers and places and people and drugs and well, for, is, maybe formulas, you this know? Is, this is pretty crazy. Like I said, there's a lot of numbers in there, you know. Yeah, that really yeah, there is. That and note. see, and that seems so weird. It's like, are these prices... But they're random, 71, 74, 75, like, and it says 194 WLD apostrophe S. So he's using apostrophes, which is interesting, mm-hmm. showing possession or at least showing yeah, maybe, a, maybe a plural. He might not have understand, understood possession and plural, like the difference. So it might just be plural. But it says 19 or 194 space W-L-D apostrophe S space N-C-B-E. It's like 194 worlds. Like there's so much. Well, 194 Wild Street. What if N-C-B is some sort of firm for street? Because every one of those above it is... uh, I see W-L-D a lot. Yeah, but you also see N-C-B-E a lot too, right in that bottom of that first note. 
And like R L S E could be or else. Mm-hmm. But right before R L S E, it says L R S E, and it's like, okay, well, what does that mean? Because <laughs> then that throws the or else thing right out the window. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty cool to look at. I did. I looked at it for a long time. I was that, like going cross-eyed. That'll draw you in. That's yeah, for, damn for sure. sure. Mm-hmm. I think if I, I wish I was more like mathy and more, you know, privy to the patterns. I guess be cool to actually un- try to go about it with some knowledge. Right. But. Yeah, it's wild that there's people out there that are, that's their thing, is they can break codes. Right, and that's their whole job, like out here working for the FBI. There was another um, another association, I thought I had mentioned it, I must have deleted it. It was the um, American Cipher Association or something like that that had been working on it too with the FBI. Wow. So yeah, just it's just unsolved. Imagine completely. That's another form of intelligence, right? In right. my opinion, like you're a fucking genius mm-hmm. to even begin to even pull like the patterns and try. Well, and it's got it's just something you can do, and you're just a natural. Like mm-hmm. there's something different about your brain. It just has to make sense. Those numbers have to. You have to be able to move things around in your head. And yeah. And the cops say, or the FBI said, like it was pretty cool to read about it. They said, you know. Because my initial thing was like they're plugging this into algorithms into the computer and it's just running shit and trying to find patterns and stuff. They say there's really not a lot of computer behind it. They mm-hmm. said ciphers are made by people. They're best cracked by people. They said they use a whiteboard, they use a marker, mm-hmm. and they just fucking tear it apart yeah. and rebuild it and tear it apart and rebuild it, which I thought was really cool. What was the name of that um, that Nicholas Cage movie? Where he had National the National Treasure? No, he had the cipher. Angels and Demons? No, that was Tom Hanks. Oh. The, he had the cipher, and by this child had gotten it in that time capsule. It was written by the, oh, the little it was girl like, 60 yes. years before. Right, it was like predicting the future. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I remember that. that. I mean, it was just a bunch of numbers. and That was a really good movie. It was a good movie, but he... Uh, it wasn't 23, though. It was. No, I can't remember what the name of it was. I and I know, either. I know, Fuel in the DeLorean. I get it, I get it. Fuel in the DeLorean. <laughs> Fuel in the DeLorean. So yeah, so I mean, it's fun to talk about the cipher and all that and to, to think about it and, and try and tear it apart, but I really do think that Focus was lost on this case. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Or, or you know, obviously Baja is just like running around and wreaking havoc throughout the city and never seems to have to pay the piper for it. So I just feel like maybe he just got his, you know, he got out of it. And not saying that he did it. I mean, obviously there's no, nothing proving that at all. Yeah, just... But it just seems like evidence. all that violence around that family and then this just this young minimum wage, you know, uneducated man just kind of gets wrapped up in this family that's just running drugs, you know, in St. Louis. It just seems a little too perfect for it to not be the Connected actual some, answer. Yeah. 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 So. So, yeah, that's the story of Ricky McCormick's murder and the McCormick cipher. Intriguing. I know it was kind of a cool one to look at, so yeah, I'm I'm surprised this did end up being a little bit shorter. I think I read pretty pretty quickly on this one. You were really into it. Yeah, it was. Proud a, of you it did was a good fun. job. Yeah, it was fun to research. Um, so yeah, well, I guess we'll end it here, and uh, we'll give a shout out to all of our podcasts in the Golden Mojo Network. We've got um, the Call Guys and the Indiana Chiefs Fan Podcast, which is our newest edition. 
the paranormal. I always just say the paranormal podcast. That's what I always call it when I talk about it. The United States of Paranormal and Golden Image podcast. All of them you'll love. Go listen to them. Seriously. Like, if you like us, you're going to like um, the. We're hitting it from all angles. Right. Mm. Ooh, so sexy. But yeah, if you like this podcast, then you're going to like Two Stop, which is the paranormal podcast. The energy. Right. And if you like the paranormal podcast, then you're going to like The Call Guys. And if you like The Call Guys, you're going to like Golden Image. And if you like Golden Image, by golly, you're going to like the Indiana Chiefs fans. It's just a big, big web of great personalities. So... (laughs) Yeah. I don't even like football, and I really enjoy listening to the um, Indiana Chiefs fans, and I really don't care. And actually, I get really excited when you guys start talking about stuff, and you get excited. I'm like, <laughs> I get excited about it, too. So, <laughs> it's fun. We're going to do, um, or we have done, <laughs> in podcast world, uh, right. me and Phil will both be in Kansas City after the Monday Night Raiders game, so we'll Love be... That. Recording the podcast from Kansas City. And if you haven't listened to episode uh, 12, I believe, where he interviewed uh, a guy in the um, in the freaking uh, parking lot. It was so cool that, you know, he was out there and and Phil's doing a great job. of Just really a, like a Chiefs it, fan. That was yeah, an, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to think of his name. I keep calling him. Um, it's I don't even remember at this point. Stupid me. It's not Clyde because that's what I kept calling. Him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know we working we're working these things in. We'll be doing a lot more of that while we're out tailgating in Kansas City for these games, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I like that you guys are taking it to Kansas City and recording in your hotel room. I'm glad that that's like the route you're taking with that. Yes. That'll be fun. It'll be great. And, you know, we're going to do an episode on the road to Kansas City where we'll talk about the long drive and what we did on the way, mm-hmm. where we stopped to eat, what we did here and what we did there. So. Nice. That'll almost be like an integration of Golden Image, too. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah. That sounds like fun. Um, links and social media for all these podcasts can be found within our show notes on all of our social media pages. So please go support our podcast network. Um, do you have anything you want to tell us? Do Do you, do you, do you, do you have a case you'd like Alicia or I to research for a future episode? Mostly me. Mostly her. (laughs) She can do it. I like, I don't like being told what to do anyway. So (laughs) I do. (laughs) I bet you do. Dirty, That's what she said. Um, You can contact us via email at murdnerds at gmail.com or search for murdnerds on all popular social media, which Alicia is so kindly uh, going to start taking a firmer grasp on, I guess. I thought she was doing pretty good, but she wants more. Firmly grasp it. She wants more. She can't handle the little bit that she's... (laughs) I don't know where I was going for that. I was going to say she can't handle it a little bit, but she's been doing But Obviously, if you're taking on more, you can handle it. Firmly grasp it. SpongeBob. <laughs> okay. A SpongeBob. Um, would you rather be <laughs> anonymous with your opinions? Um, if so, located in our bios on all of our social platforms, social media platforms is a link tree account that you can click and find at the top. A link to our survey page that is completely anonymous. While you're on our social media pages, you can find photos and information on each case that we do cover. 
Um, don't forget to subscribe to us anywhere you enjoy listening to podcasts. If you are an Apple Podcast listener or if you are a Spotify listener, please go in and rate and review within that app. Please do it. Yes, this helps us so much. We're so annoying. I know I say the same thing. Alicia changes hers, hers up. I don't. I say the same shit after every episode. I'm not going to rewrite this every week. <laughs> I'm a lazy bitch. Um, but this is the easiest way to support us at Murder Nerds. It's completely free and it helps us move up in the charts and get noticed by sponsors for ads. Um, if you would like to help support the podcast monetarily, you can pledge a donation. We've got a 99 cent option along with four ninety nine and nine ninety nine. Um, this helps Murder Nerds with equipment, merch, licensing, and anything else that we could um possibly need to make murder nerds work uh this is not for money making we do this because we have fun doing it and yeah we just we enjoy it it's a lot of fun can it be frustrating at times yeah it can be frustrating we have our frustrating moments maybe in research or or i wait until like the night before and write all my cases right i've done that too i've had to write four papers just this week alone yeah it's like Excuse we're me. constantly writing fucking book reports yeah yeah four yep i'd write one for work i'd write a paper for work nice oh we use our own money to fund everything within our podcast so whatever we make goes straight back in um so if you can show your support by pledging a donation each month or purchase some merch which we are working on our website to get up our new merch store um which hopefully by this time by the the airing of this episode should already be up, um, but we're taking bets on that, God, whether that's so. going to happen or not. It's tough, you guys. It's There's a lot more to this than we thought when we first started. I don't know about you, Alicia. Oh, yeah. But when I first started, I was lot. like, we're going to research and write, and we're going to read cases. And I, that was, sorry, that was my naive ass. That's all I thought we were going to be doing. There's so much that goes into it. So it's we're insane. doing what we can with yes. the amount of time we can. Because we can, it's not like we can pay people to do things for us. So it's just the three of us trying to tackle everything and we like divvy up our what we can do and it's fun it's a lot of fun so it's fun but it's also a full-time job yeah in itself stop laughing jeremy i work 18 hours a day you do seriously i work eight hours in a regular so maybe eight not maybe not eight 18 but probably 16 oh easy i come home from my regular nine to five job and sat down and do all this stuff yep and it's not only just editing the murder nerds. You know, I'm editing Golden Image. I'm editing um, uh, Tusop. And, of course, working on, you know, all the other business stuff that goes And recording. With. And recording, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We record a couple nights a week. Uh, and then Sundays for seven and a half hours now. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's all. That's all we've got for today. So... We will wrap things up and see you next week. Bye. Bye.